Hello, and welcome to the BSI Education Podcast with me, Matthew Childs. And me, Alan Sellers. Hello, Alan. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And how are you, Matthew? I'm very well, thank you. Now, in these podcasts, our aim is to bring you the stories behind standards and standardisation. In this episode, we focus on the relationship between BSI and its stakeholders. For more than 100 years, BSI has been shaping standards to help improve the quality and safety of products, services and systems. It's published over 40,000 standards and publishes around 3,000 standards every year, underpinned by a collaborative approach, engaging with close to 13,000 stakeholders to develop standards that reflect good practice. For this episode, our guests are both from BSI. David Bell is Director of Standards Policy, leading the policy aspects of BSI as the national standards body and setting the strategic direction for its engagement with key stakeholders, including UK government and industry, consumers and public interest organisations. He also oversees the BSI's UK input to the policies and strategies of the European and international standards bodies. David is joined by Stephanie Einan. Stephanie is Standards Makers Engagement and Inclusion Manager at BSI responsible for the development and implementation of BSI strategies and policies for equality, diversity and inclusion in standards making, as well as other areas of standards makers engagement and experience. David and Stephanie describe the role of stakeholder engagement for standards development, how it happens and why it matters. We really enjoyed our conversation with David and Stephanie and we hope you do too. So in this episode of the podcast, we are delighted to be joined by David Bell. Hello, David. How are you? Morning, guys. Yeah, good. Thanks. We're also delighted to be joined by Stephanie Einan. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Hi, good morning. I'm great. Thanks. David, if we could start with you, uh, you're Director of Standards Policy at BSI. Can you tell us a bit about your role? Yes, you're standard, uh, Director of Standards Policy, so I'm responsible for all of the policy aspects of us being the UK's national standards body, so that's the relationships with our international European standards community, so we're part of the ISO family. Uh, also the relations with other standards bodies around the world in the UK with the UK government and with our key stakeholders such as business community and uh, consumers and educators and others. Excellent and Stephanie your standards makers engagement and inclusion manager can you tell us a bit about that? Yes absolutely my role um, to summarize it in a very succinct way is is effectively to look after the standards makers experience that includes ensuring that we're attracting a diverse community of standards makers and providing um, an inclusive standards development experience and standards makers recognition and things of that nature. Now in these podcasts we're always keen to learn about the standards journeys of our guests. So how did you get here and what's your journey been? So David, how have you become Director of Policy at BSI? Where did you start off? Can you remember a time when you didn't really know what standards were? <laughs> That's a good question. How do, we, how do any of us ever get to where we are? Um, yeah, well, I've been, a, I've been in standards my whole career. So um, I think the expression is a lifer. Um, so everything from standards development through to standards management and administration, uh, working around the world on standards projects, working with developing countries to help them build capabilities in their own national standards infrastructure. Um, it certainly wasn't a, a plan. I don't think anybody has a plan to uh, get into this kind of thing, but um, I have to say every day, even now after many years uh, with BSI and working in standards, every day throws up something different and uh, uh, that's all a challenge. 
what what was your favorite project that you've been involved in over that time then recently launched the commonwealth standards network which is a a scheme supported by UK government to encourage the Commonwealth countries to use standards to improve intra-Commonwealth trade. And that's took me out to Africa a few times. And um, we had some great experiences earlier this year out in Uganda and Zambia, talking to SMEs about the way they use standards. And you hear these amazing stories about these micro-enterprises that have used standards and doubled their income overnight by being able to put their products onto bigger markets and exporting their products. And when you hear those kind of stories, it just brings it home that what, we, what we're doing here can sound a bit abstract, but actually when you talk to people on the ground, there's people doing amazing things with standards and improving their, their life chances. That sounds like a whole other podcast there. David. I was about to say, Alan, I think that's something we should, we should definitely pick on for a future episode, definitely. Uh, so Stephanie... How have you ended up being at BSI? Um, again, I guess, did you ever remember a time when you didn't know what standards were? I guess I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit that, that yes, pri prior to applying for my job at BSI just over five years ago, um, I'd, I'd never really heard of standards, it, it, the kind of standards we're talking about here today. And now that I do know what they are, I do feel a little bit um, uh, embarrassed and bewildered by the fact that I, I didn't know what standards <laughs> were um, before applying for my job. But my sort of the second half of my career has always been um, ha had been dedicated to stakeholder engagement, working with volunteers, community groups, programs and programs development awards schemes. So that, that's where the relevance to my current role at, at BSI was. It's a very different journey to David's. My, my first career um, was as a teacher, teaching French and Spanish. Um, and then I got into the not-for-profit and charity world in um, stakeholder and volunteer uh, engagement and development, which, of course, is very relevant to, to the work I'm doing um, at BSI. And I find it similar to David every day and um, there's something new and I'm continuously inspired, whether it's by, you know, the fact that we have close to 13,000 people who are really dedicated people, people trying to, to do the right thing and work on developing standards or the opportunity to drive more equality, diversity and inclusion in the community of standards makers and in standards themselves. There's always something to keep the motivation really high and to keep life interesting. David, in your introduction there, you, you talked a bit about, uh, about BSI as an organisation. Now, we have, we've spoken in previous podcasts about BSI as, as a group and, and operating uh, around the world. Could you tell us a bit about BSI as the national standards body? You know, what is that and what does it do? What's its particular role that it, that it performs? In a nutshell, being the UK's national standards body, means that we're responsible for publishing Britain's national standards. So we're responsible for a catalogue of 30-odd thousand national standards, many of which are now harmonised with um, other countries, mainly international standards, some European standards as well. Um, so our role is to manage that process. So it's bringing stakeholders together to agree best practice, which we then encapsulate in the standard. We then publish the standard and encourage its use um, by everyone who needs it. And why, why is that important? Why is it important for a country to have a national standards body? The motivation for producing standards, each standard has a different set of motivations, whether it's to produce a standard that 
improves the quality of a product or a service or improves environmental uh, outcomes, makes something safer. So the motivation for standards differs each time. But at a national level, um, having a national standards catalogue means that you've got the reference document that organisations can turn to when they need to produce a, uh, a product or a service or to procure something and they know what they're procuring meets the best practice that's available at that time. So having a national standard gives you the confidence to know that what you're buying is meeting your expectations and that's what the national standards catalogue does and having a national standards body in the context of the international world means that we put forward a consensus of a UK view which then goes forward and from that we build a global consensus so we call it the two levels of consensus we get the UK position agreed so we bring all our stakeholders together to do that and then we agree consensus of all countries. And I think that last bit is one of the really important parts from my perspective is that having the national standards body is what enables stakeholders at national level to then be able to have that influence over international standards, given, given the prevalence of, of international standards, um, with most of the catalog being international standards that we've, we've adopted, if that's the right term it's really important that our stakeholders have the opportunity to influence those international and indeed European standards and, and the national standards body is the mechanism for, for doing that because we bring together all the national stakeholders who then can put forward that point of view um, beyond uh, the, the national level. Just before we come, um, come to BSI's particular stakeholders, I'm just keen to explore about the sort of broad history, um, David. It, BSI has a is incorporated under World Charter, uh, and I presume that means it's it's independent of government. Yeah, we work privately. We're a private organisation. Clearly, there is a close link to public policy, and we have a memorandum of understanding with government. Um, but often, when we explain BSI and BSI's role, it's worth just remembering the reasons that the organisation was established in the first place. We're the first national standards body of its kind, although standards you could trace back to ancient China 5,000 years ago, best practice has been codified. But in terms of a national standards body, we were the first to be given that remit. And the initial motivation for the organization to be created was engineers seeing a problem in the market that no single organization could fix. And it was only by coming together that they could improve the efficiency and the quality of a particular industry. And it was the steel industry with particular requirements for uh, tramways and, and the rails for tramways. And the discussion there centered on the fact that there was a lot of variation in the system. The cost of stocking lots of different types of steel was prohibitively expensive. Everything was done bespoke and it just added cost and meant that the economies of scale that the steel industry could get from producing standard standardized steel sections wasn't available so the industry came together the experts came together and defined what the best practice should be and in the first couple of years of using this first standard what we now call bs1 the industry saved over a million pounds which i suspect was a fair amount of money back in 1903. so that's a that reason, that drive, the motivation for organisations to come together of their own volition, nobody forced them to be there, to produce a standard that nobody's forced to use, but everybody chooses to use, or lots of people choose to use, 
is kind of the same reason that our stakeholders still come together today to write standards. It's about defining best practice so that they can all work together in a seamless way and to be as efficient and effective as possible. You've both mentioned um, stakeholders, um, obviously, and their, and their importance for, for BSI and for standards development. Who, who are we talking about? Who, who are BSI stakeholders? I think an easier question would be who, who aren't um, stakeholders of, of standards. And, and really, in some ways, I would say there isn't anybody who, who isn't a potential stakeholder of at least one standard. Um, because there are standards pretty much for everything you can imagine um, and of different types of management system standards, standards for products, standards for services. And so when you think about that and, and the fact that they cover such a broad range of things, the, the stakeholders are infinite in some ways and, and, and all there will be a standard or several standards that touch each one of us in, in different ways, whether that's directly impacting us through a product we're purchasing um, or indirectly via the way uh, a company um, manages its services. So everyone is a potential stakeholder. It's just a matter of they will be a stakeholder of different standards. And um, so it's consumers, it's it's public interest organizations, charities, um, industry, government, everyone really. Absolutely. It's not just the producers of the product or service that is involved in the standards development process. And so this is really a key uh, characteristic of standards development, because I think any one of us on this call could go away and write a standard in isolation, define our own idea of what is best practice. But it's only when you bring together everybody who's affected by a particular product or service that you get a real view, a 360 view of what is best practice. So it's not just the manufacturer or the service provider. It's not just the organization that is using the product or, or service. It's the regulators, it's academics, it's environmental organizations, it's consumer organizations. It's all of those affected stakeholders that come together. And it's that magic of finding what is, what can, how can we aspire to the best possible practice that is the magic of, uh, of standards development. And also the, 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 the advantages of having that diverse group of people developing the standards where it brings different perspectives, different solutions to challenges they're, they're trying to address to really make the standards inherently better by having such a, a mix of, of knowledge, experience, points of view that really helps shape that. And, and I sincerely hope, and I think it's true, that it also enriches the experience for the standards makers themselves to have this opportunity to be exposed to such a variety of people with different types of expertise and experience and to learn from one another and to build relationships that help the standards makers themselves learn and, and develop by virtue of participation. If we take one particular stakeholder group, consumers, there's, that's a really challenging consumer, uh, stakeholder group to bring to the standards development table because essentially we're all consumers. So we work through our consumer and public interest network, which has got um, a, a, huge, a huge pool of trained consumer experts who understand the consumer landscape who can input 
consumer view into standards development processes. And that's really important. And it's really valued by the manufacturers, I know, because essentially that's the voice of the customer that they're bringing to the table. And we've got some great examples through the years of standards that have really made a, a huge change, it's certainly in terms of product safety. And it's been the consumers driving the standard or participating fully in the standards development process that has helped to define that best practice. So everything from pen caps to the temperature of the surface temperature of oven doors, these have all been changed materially by adding the voice of the consumer who was able to talk about the way products are used in the environment that they're intended to be used for. And it's only by getting that extra voice around the table that you get a real, you get that real picture of the needs for, for, for best practice in the broader sense. So you, you both mentioned there uh, particular stakeholder groups. So we talked about government and, and producers and, and users. And, and David, you mentioned their consumers in, in particular. Um, I just wonder from your perspective, Stephanie, given this is part of, part of your role at BSI, how, how do you really ensure diversity and inclusion in standards development? Well, I think there's not a, a, a simple answer to that question. And I think I would say it's something um, that we have started to focus on in the past few years much more intentionally and much more deliberately because we realize there's a real opportunity for us to do um, even more to encourage more diversity in the community of standards makers and and it's important for the reasons i already mentioned about the impact that has on on the the output on the standard itself and and as David just mentioned, how bringing in a consumer voice changed, materially changed uh, the content of the standards. I think some of the things we're doing is, is around um, raising awareness, both internally with colleagues and our current standards makers of the value of diversity in, in standards development and raising awareness externally of the opportunity. We've, we talked about earlier the fact that before I applied for my role at BSI, I didn't really know what standards were, and I certainly didn't know that if I wanted to, I could potentially get involved with developing them. And that's that's one of the challenges is is helping people to understand that that it's people like them that are developing the standards, not the proverbial they, <laughs> you know, and that everyone is welcome to participate in the standards for which they have relevant knowledge and experience to bring to bear. And so very much a joint effort between BSI, all of my colleagues who, who manage the, the committee, the committees, and our committee chairs, and indeed all committee members, trying to make sure we're really questioning um, who are all of the potential stakeholders of any given standard that a committee might be working on, and thinking about that in the broadest possible sense, and ensuring we have ways to reach out to whether it's organizations which represent those stakeholders to our own consumer and public interest network or other organizations and individuals to ensure that they understand the opportunity of trying to influence those standards that are relevant to them. Stephanie's far too modest to talk about it, but she's recently been appointed to chair a UN task force on gender responsive standards and standards development. So just looking at one specific part of that diversity picture, how do standards and standards development deal with gender differences in standards? And that's really important when you think, imagine some of the products and services that standards are written for, 
that we consider all of the implications of different genders and the work that Stephanie's leading is a global initiative which will see all standards bodies we hope sign up to uh, agree gender action plans and to make sure that um, they take that aspect of diversity um, give it absolutely the highest priority in their own uh, in their own policies and in some ways that's an example of, of where we can see really quite starkly why it's so important to ensure that you have that balance of representation because effectively you don't know what you don't know and if you if you have a group of people around the table with very similar or homogenous experiences and points of view it, it's it's not from any malice or anything else it just they wouldn't have the the experience to be able to understand that that what they're doing might impact someone different from them differently um, and so it's it, it is hugely important and that's one of the things that inspires me if you consider the number of standards and the opportunity of ensuring that all of those standards are inclusive the impact that can have outside in 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 the real world um, whether it's through products or services and how they're being delivered. Um, I, th I think it's really exciting. And I know that many of our standards makers in our community find it um, equally important and exciting to, to really deliberately and intentionally think about that in, in the standards development process. Stephanie, you mentioned there the real world and we've been talking about national standards bodies standards development processes, stakeholders, uh, being around the table. I wondered if you could paint a picture, either of you, of what somebody from the street might see when standards development is in action. What does it look like? Well, I like the use of the word action because um, it can be seen as a bit of a dusty activity, lots of working committees and lots of commenting on documents. Um, I have seen standards committees that have really been the, the, the sort of crucible of, of all of the hugely important issues of today, you know, from environmental and climate change challenges to product safety and uh, diversity and gender issues. And, and these debates that are taking place in standards committees are really quite lively and are so fundamentally important that um, they're, they're, they're um, a place that you want to be as part of your uh, journey. David, you mentioned there the, the, the debate and people putting forward um, their, their case uh, almost, so to speak, their, their story, their, their point of view. And that leads nicely into thinking about also what it's like to be around the table and, and about the type of skills and experiences um, you'll have. So learning how to put a point of view forward, how to influence others, learning from others and, and watching um, what they're doing and how they're doing it learning how to have constructive uh, debate with um, colleagues from a, a broad uh, set of backgrounds, learning how to influence others, learning how to work together to build consensus, even when you perhaps don't have the same point of view. These are all great things that happen through participating in, in standards development. Sure, there is reviewing of documents, um, and things like that that are less ex exciting. But ro what role doesn't have parts that are somewhat less exciting and those that are exciting? That's, that's just life. 
It's, it almost sounds like BSI provides the tables and the chairs and the meeting room, supplies some tea and coffee, puts some people in the room, lights the blue touch paper, shuts the door and stands back. That's a good way of putting it. I mean, our job is to, uh, you know, we sometimes describe ourselves as the kind of groundsman. We paint the lines on the pitch and we open the doors and uh, we let the players players make the game but um, I mean it's interesting Steph talked there about some of the soft skills that you develop through the standards process and I think it's one of the reasons why we're seeing a lot more younger professionals getting involved because they're realizing that actually having this on their CV and the skills that they're picking up by being part of such a crucially important decision-making organization in terms of the way it changes their industry to actually be there helping to define that best practice and to take forward a view point from your particular you know your particular experience is something that's not only rewarding but actually it's something that's puts you in good stead for for your future career and Alan's so the, the work that you're leading on young professionals has been really critical in, in helping us to drive that but it's great to see a lot more younger people getting involved and realizing that you know this is about writing the rules of engagement for an industry for the next generation and so if you can get involved and you can help to set them you're playing a really important role. And I love the way you describe BSI's role, Alan, but I think in some, some ways we shouldn't be too modest about, about BSI and the, and the important role our colleagues play in, in the standards development process either, where, where we also ensure that colleagues and colleagues ensure that standards makers are, are also playing by the rules and that are, they're observing best practice in standards development and in how we manage uh, relationships with one another and conduct one another in these meetings and and I, th I think that's quite important there there is a process that that needs to be observed in order to sh ensure all of the great things we've just talked about are actually happening and that's a crucial role that our colleagues play in this process and and bringing in that expertise about standards development and standards and standards policy but yes the stakeholders are absolutely crucial and by and large in terms of the development of the content in the, in the standards you're absolutely right alan that you know we say there you go go for it <laughs> um, in many ways you've both uh, spoken passionately there about about getting involved in with standards and uh, the ability to shape uh, shape industries and sectors through through standards development um, we're having this conversation uh, over Zoom in, in four different locations uh, because of something that's affected everybody over the past over the past six months, and that's obviously COVID nineteen. And I just wonder, uh, David, from a, from a BSI perspective, I suppose first, what what's been the impact of COVID nineteen on BSI and its ability to uh, to carry out its functions and and how it's it's how it's supported supported its uh, its clients and its stakeholders. Well, obviously, it's the biggest challenge that we're facing today, and it's a pretty a serious uh, health issue, it's a serious economic issue, and uh, clearly the world is, so as we're recording this in, in September 2020, the world is still some way away from resolving, uh, resolving all the challenges. Um, but we've had to we've had to change the way we work in BSI. The standards world has had to change the way it works. Certainly, we've seen as every industry has a real move towards working virtually or working remotely. And actually, we're finding that um, it's offering lots of extra opportunities. People. Um, in fact, we've seen participation levels in standards development activity increasing um, quite substantially. Particularly, we've seen a lot more developing countries participating in international standardization than had happened before. 
And so I think they, they, they were seeing a level playing field where everybody was working remotely as giving them an opportunity when perhaps they didn't have the budget to, to attend a meeting physically. They're finding opportunities to get the, the voice of developing countries more heard in the standards development process. And that's really important because if our standards are going to be universal, or at least across the, um, across the globe, which is, of course, what we want, um, we need to hear the voice of all of the stakeholders, and that means all of the different uh, countries that intend to use them. So that's one aspect of it internationally. Um, certainly, we're all getting used to this working remotely, um, and our standards development committees are, are, are working remotely as well. And so far, we're seeing them, they've been able to cope well using the tools, and they're still working to find consensus through remote means. So I, if I can just come in there as well, I, I think it has been really interesting to see how this forced move effectively to 100% uh, virtual standards development has has changed uh, and influenced participation in standards development also at national level. I think it's a somewhat mixed picture, um, but I think generally it has facilitated uh, more people participating in meetings than perhaps normally would, or perhaps different people um, who wouldn't normally have the time to go to a physical meeting have been able to engage. And the meetings have been, of course, adjusted. They're, they're perhaps shorter, slightly more focused. So perhaps that impacts people's feelings of, of we really accomplished something today. Um, you know, we, we, because they have to be much more sharply focused because the time is limited. You, you can't be on a, on a virtual meeting for eight hours of a day. Um, the, the flip side is a little bit that building the relationships with the fellow standards makers, we've had some reflection from some of our committee chairs and, and others that they wouldn't want to lose the opportunities for face-to-face -face meetings entirely going forward, but they do see there is a value in retaining much more prevalence of, of virtual meetings. The one sticking point a little bit for some is, is the idea of these hybrid or blended meetings where you have some people in the room and some people joining remotely. And I think, I think there's so many new tools that have come out during these past six months that can help us do that better. Because I think previously it's true, if you were the one joining or one of the few joining from somewhere else and everyone else was in the room, it wasn't quite the same experience. And so that, those are all things we're looking at as well going forward is all of these changes that have effectively been very swiftly forced upon us what are the benefits that we've derived from those and how can we retain them going forward? But what are, what are the challenges they've thrown up and how might we address those going forward? So um, it, is, it has been interesting to, to watch that and to hear from our standards makers and our committee chairs and our colleagues about what that's been like. The COVID crisis and the lockdown coincided with BSI launching its own a new iterative tool, which, is, which will, speed up standards development quite considerably. So BSI Flex is the new approach that BSI has taken and we've piloted it on a standard specifically about returning to work post-COVID. So we've seen this is this is producing a document through iteration uh, in timescales that we've never been able to produce documents before. Um, and it's helping to get guidance out, which of course is, is um, of course super important right now and, and, and massively urgent. Uh, and try to reflect the best practice and our best understanding of the way the virus spreads and the way we can work safely um, after it. 
So that is, um, that's proven its worth already. We're seeing that um, getting, helping us to get best practice guidance out to the market much quicker than before and to retain a lot of um, stakeholder engagement in the process. So it seems that uh, obviously COVID-19 has had a tremendous impact on the working environment uh, and on stakeholder engagement and, and standards, standards development. Uh, but also it sounds, David, as, as if it's bringing other opportunities. And I think, Alan, I think a future podcast on, on, on the future of standards uh, and BSI Flex in particular, I think would be, would be something we should, we should definitely look at. It is interesting that actually all this we've been discussing about the impacts of, of the pandemic has actually also influenced um, our committee member recognition, one of our most important schemes, which is um, the, the BSI Standards Awards, which actually recognizes standards users as well as standards makers. Because we've seen that, that we needed to rethink the awards for, for this year. So we have a special 2020 edition of the BSI Standards Awards because we saw so much activity as, as David just mentioned, the, the project for safe working guidelines and the contribution standards makers made to that, which was extraordinary in the sense that it had never been done before and it happened so swiftly. And it was, it was in order to directly support the UK's response to the pandemic. So what, what we've done for this year, we've changed the awards to, to recognize those standards makers or contributors to standards and standards guidance documents who really did something out of the ordinary uh, and above and beyond specifically to support the UK's response to the pandemic. And, and likewise, standards users, but perhaps a, a, an organization that had never used standards uh, before used a standard to develop a, a piece of uh, a face uh, covering or a piece of protective equipment for the first time ever and did so in accordance with with the standard which is really extraordinary stories and that's what we're hoping to recognize um, this year through our our standards awards and I, I can't wait to read about the nominations they're always inspiring stories the nominees for our standards awards but i think this year really will be truly special so you mentioned the the bsi standards awards and that's part of the bsi national conferences why do you hold them and um, what are they for these national conferences and, and where they're involved were, were really down to the to the impetus from, from David or the challenge he set me when I first joined BSI of we have these events, um, let's really make the most of this opportunity. And so what, what we've done is we've involved, we have two events a year, one in the spring and one in the autumn that we uh, design as national conferences for all of our stakeholders um, current and potential new stakeholders who are interested in standards and how they're made and why they're important. So they really are for everyone. And the reason we hold them is, is one, to, to bring together those who are already participating and give them an opportunity to have a conversation at a different level outside their own specific area on a strategic level with, with BSI colleagues, with great um, experts from, from outside of, of BSI and to also network across all sectors and all stakeholder groups. And that's one of the things actually that participants really enjoy about these events. Um, so they're, in short, they are for everyone and we hold them for, for two key reasons. 
one, to give, give something back to, to those who are already supporting standards and, and their development and, and their use, and to engage them in, in a conversation on a, on a whole new level with BSI and to build our relationship with those current and future um, stakeholders. And Stephanie, we have a, you mentioned the other conference coming up in November. It's an, an e-conference, as I understand it. Uh, what's, what's the theme for the, for, for the November conference? Yes, I mean, we have had to take the decision because of the uncertainty to, to hold the November conference as an online um, conference. And, and what we're looking at are some of the themes we've talked about related to COVID-19 is, is that, yes, it has presented challenges, but it's also presented opportunities. So we want to focus on the future and really um, a phrase that's being thrown around quite a bit, but building back better. Um, we see standards uh, providing a real opportunity to make building back better um, something substantive uh, and impactful um, through, through standards. And, and that's the conversation we want to have, whether it's about innovation or organizational resilience or other themes. Um, and that's where we want to focus. And of course, we will, we will have our core uh, what we like to refer to as world of standards um, track of, of sessions as well, where we're able to explore things like, for example, BSI Flex or, or other areas of standards, major changes in standards development. And we'll also focus, and perhaps David can talk more about this, about the, the, the changing role of BSI as the UK's NSB, national standards body and standards and trade. We're going to have a high level session at the conference focusing on that particular topic as well, which is absolutely fundamental going forward, particularly with all the changes um, afoot in, in the world and how, how standards can impact or are impacted by those changes. Yeah, just on that point about trade, obviously the, um, everybody's aware of the challenges and the, the changes that are taking place with regard to the UK's role in the world. Um, how do we how do we find that new path? Standards are going to be super important. Standards are going to be absolutely critical to supporting uh, trade paths. And so that opportunity to have that conversation at the conference, just at the point where the transition period from the UK's EU membership is coming to an end, I think that the timing couldn't be better. And it's an opportunity really just to reset our goals and to think more about the way we can use standards to, uh, to drive and support trade paths. The, the last thought that I would like to leave everyone with is standards are relevant to you, no matter who you are. And we welcome everyone to get involved with standards development, whether that's commenting on drafts or proposals via our online portal or actually joining a group of people that's around the table, so to speak, virtually, some most of the time now, um, to actually shape those standards. Don't hold back, uh, explore our website and how you can get involved. And we look forward to hearing from you or to having you join us at one of our national conferences or both. I couldn't agree more, Stephanie. I think just two final remarks from me. If we're gonna fully realize the potential of standards to really change the world, um, the impact of those standards depends on the breadth of stakeholder participation and the quality of the inputs that we get. So it's really fundamentally important that we get those participation levels right if we want to produce the, the world-leading standards. And as you said, Stephanie, the UK is going to build back better. And uh, we will, if so, we will really need to reach for tools like standards to 
drive the use of best practice. We haven't got time to waste guessing what best practices standards, I think, will be fundamental to that rebuild. You've been listening to an episode of the BSI Education Podcast. For more information on BSI Education, visit bsigroup.com forward slash education. This link and others can also be found in the episode notes. Do please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and share us on social media using the hashtag BSIEdPod. And if you have any questions, suggestions or ideas for future podcasts, then do please get in touch at education at bsigroup.com. We welcome your feedback. All that remains is for me to say thank you, David. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks, Alan. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Matthew. Thanks, Alan. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, guys. And of course, to thank you for listening. We hope you can join us for the BSI Standards e-conference and awards in November. Why not go online and register now?